0: Welcome back to questions you never thought you could ask in church. Uh, I am Andrew Metcalf again. Unfortunately, I am not hosting this week. We have our host, Steve Wells, back in the studio
1: with us. Did you say unfortunately? Yeah. So I, I think he liked
0: it. He liked it. Yeah, I think
2: he, I don't know. this is
1: this whole like recluse thing is a, is a, it's
2: famous. it's a facade. <laughs> yeah. It's a cover. He I
0: told really- Dave last week for the first 20 minutes, my hands were shaking. And I'm like, I'm not really that nervous. The but adrenaline, I just, though. Yeah, I
1: couldn't control my hands. Totally it was crazy. I, I get it. That you rocked it
2: though. Yeah, you did great. I listened <laughs> to the fantastic.
1: show. Did Reagan you? did a great job. Yeah. Th- I'm trying to think of like what was one of the main highlights, and it seems so far.
2: I, I know good. it's amazing what what happens in a week. How much we cram into these seven days? What is it, 168 hours or yeah. whatever? And uh, yeah. but it, it was a week of great questions. I mean, deep and personal things. I mean, a lot on the nature of evil the origin of evil dealing with sin issues wrestling with biblical texts i mm-hmm. mean it, it, keep the questions coming guys yeah. it's fantastic what is that stuff. number 815 3140363 the way this works is you can text in any question you have on god theology the bible christianity comparative religion spirituality the universe life and everything right text them in we're going to get these. We'll do the best job we can to to discuss them, to answer them in real time on the spot, hopefully give you some direction with the questions you're asking in life. And look, we want to encourage you. There are no bad questions. Churches are these places where people are afraid to ask spiritual questions. And that makes no sense to me yeah. because it's the absolute place you should be able to ask questions about God and spirituality and Christianity and faith. In life, And yet people feel they're going to be judged. People feel they're going to be ridiculed, made fun of, right? I mean, we've all seen it. We've been a part of it, maybe. Ever -hmm. been on the receiving end of that, by the way? Of being judged? Being judged by a question that you ask in church, or being laughed at, or ridiculed, or, or, you know, that's even overstated, but maybe even being snickered at, or... Kind of getting that weird. You get that stand. weird look, the yeah, sideways you know look, look, right? Yeah. You ever get that, Andrew?
0: I think so. Yeah, I can't think of anything specifically, but I know that it has happened. Even just going through going through college, or tr- I was at a Christian college, so there was religion mixed in with that in kind of everyday classes and everything. You're like, I want to ask this, but I don't. I don't want to ask this. It's almost like you're person. out of
2: bounds if you go there. And they're, yeah, absolutely. You know, throw a flag on the play or something, and you're like, "Ooh, didn't it- know." I'm, I'm doing that to Andrew that. right now. You throw flags sideways <laughs> glance. <laughs> I'm looking at
1: our producer Ken over here going, What's he talking about? <laughs>
0: That's a lie. I never went to college at all. It's yeah, all made up. Yeah, it's,
2: it's part of the front that he keeps yeah. up. I don't even know if he names Andrew Metcalf to be honest. Either. No one really knows. Right, no one knows. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's in Witsack or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So we all made it in um in a timely manner today. But I thought maybe like these questions. Hey, hey, Tasha, how are you? Good, good, good. So the um, I thought maybe the the comment section would be flooded with end times because it looks like the apocalypse right now. Yeah, these last two days. I mean, if you're not in Illinois, maybe you're not
2: experiencing it, but it's crazy that storm last night. Yeah,
1: we so Barbie and I, Maya, we were like, well, let's just go. I got I had to get some fuses for. I got a Jeep. It's ninety seven Jeep, and yeah, with, so, with no top, yeah. with no top, right? <laughs> so I'm but I'm not driving that, of course. So okay, I was good. like, let's take the Yukon. We'll go. I'll drop you guys off at kohl's you know Maya's is looking for some new school at school's about ready to start yeah, so it's like yeah. oh, maybe you can get a couple things or whatever but i stop at menards and i get uh, some fuses some automotive fuses hop out of go in there get those run over to kohl's and just as i'm running in just downpour well yeah. we were in there for probably a good half hour 45 minutes but on the way home i've never seen in my 45 years rain come down so hard and wind on top of it i mean Highway 14 right there was just blanketed. A little hurricane. It was horrible. Yeah, I did have a
0: hurricane
2: in northern Illinois. I guess said 70 to 80
1: mile an hour winds.
2: It was up there. Well, in the carnage of trees, I mean, you know, we drive home down a more rural way. And like Tina, my wife, was texting me even on the way, having to turn around and backtrack five miles because, you know, 100 plus year old oak trees laying across the highway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, enough about us and our our adventures yeah yeah
2: over the last couple of days but yeah. uh the apocalypse is here but yeah text those questions in either to 815-314-0363 or post them on facebook you can catch us live at 216 the net on fellowship of faith's facebook page yep, and uh yep. yeah, and, yeah and i know we got some in the mailbag
1: too we do uh, and i'll get to one right now how about are you ready? Well, let's do it. Are you Did you? Did you warm up on the way here? I do like, warm up. Yeah, you know, I stretch. Yeah. And uh,
2: I do a couple laps first. Slap you yourself a couple times. Wake up. <laughs> you know, repeat some Bible verses. Recite <laughs> the, the book of the Bibles forwards and backwards. And backwards yeah. You really need <laughs> Eye of the Tiger right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, let's go to this one. How about, uh, why should I believe in Christ's resurrection? Why should I believe in Christ's Tell resurrection? Tell me, like, I'm new. Let's pretend I'm new. I don't even know who Jesus is. But I've heard about it. So tell me, like, why should I, wh- what impact, What? why should I even believe in
2: this? Because it's true. <clears throat> and Christianity is a reality-based religion. Uh, many people think religion is about good ideas that we're conjecturing on philosophies of life, if you will. But Christianity has always been a historically-based religion saying that the God that we serve and, and what we teach and proclaim, we do so because we think this is actually reality and that this stuff actually happened. And the resurrection is a historical account. So so I almost like to throw the question back, why should I believe in the Revolutionary War? Mm-hmm. It's a different way of framing it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, I accept this because I like it, or because the implications are good. Though certainly that does apply. Mm-hmm. But because it actually happened, and whether you like yeah. it or not, it's it's not going to change that fact. It's amazing how historians have, talked about how the the, the resurrection of Christ is one of the most historically attested to events in ancient history. Um, We don't often realize this and and you could read a lot about this and, and I can refer you to resources if you'd like to explore that type of thing, but it starts there. It is the most significant event in human history, it really serves, you know, we, we mark history by B.C. and A.D., before Christ, and everyone thinks it's after death. It's right. not. It's Anno Domini, which <laughs> means year of our Lord. Um, re- really, I wonder if we should mark dates not by the birth of Christ, but rather by the resurrection, because theologically, the resurrection of the Christ is the beginning of God's new age. And it's the beginning when God has brought his kingdom or creation into this world by which everything is changing and unfolding and leading towards the end that he has. It's it's the first fruits, if you will, and I'm using New Testament language now, of all that God has in store. So it's historically credible. It's what actually happened. It's life-changing. It is the source of, of, about which we believe in Jesus and who He is, it is the it is the nucleus, if you will, the core from which everything radiates.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know as as we talk about this, and, and I don't know who is saying this, but we're talking about trying to convince people that Christ was or is who He is, and I think too many people put so much pressure on themselves to to persuade someone or mm-hmm. to. You know, imagine in a court, uh, you know, and you're a lawyer. Like you've got to present a case, and it's like, mm-hmm. I think we put too much pressure
2: on ourselves to do that. You know, it's. it's and, like... and I've always been inspired, actually, by you, Steve, in this. Um, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but as I see you, I think maybe your greatest spiritual gift is evangelism. Mm-hmm. Those of you who don't know Steve, he's a worship director at Fellowship of Faith. We're here in McHenry, Illinois. A talented musician. I mean, guys, guys, amazing. And you could see, you could like build anything. You know, but it's when I watch you interacting with, with people who are outliers of the Christian community, unchurched people, non-believers. I, I mean, it's like every week you're just naturally bringing someone to FOF. And, and my daughter, Reagan, who was on last week, we yeah. were actually talking about yeah, she this did afterwards. great. She did great. She, she did. Yeah. And, and shout out to you, Reagan. But we were we were laughing, not laughing, but just kind of like, I don't want to overstate this, but kind of standing in awe a little bit afterwards going, do you ever like watch Steve just like interact with people and like, like like locales, and it always comes back to like Christ, but in the most natural, non weird, invitational kind of ways, and people respond. I do this, and and it just kind of like kills the conversation. People are all like, kind of like, <laughs> you know, you do it, and it's just like, oh, I want to hear this. And but I don't I, see you giving apologetic arguments yeah. or or, or eight convincing points. You just share the story. So yeah. so way to go on that, man. Thank you. Yeah,
1: uh, Ken, do you have any tissues?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: all of these compliments flooding in. You know, I'm not used to this. Solitaire's here. Uh, you getting moisture uh, on your uh, eyes there, Steve. Well, okay, but let me, to your... Defense, his whole head is blushing. It yeah, really is. Blushing, yeah. Well, I got a yeah. sunburn. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I drive a Jeep. In, in the hurricane yesterday, <laughs> you got sunburned. Yeah, I did. Yeah. No, um, but I would say this, though, is that you know too much. Maybe mm-hmm. that's an issue. And it's not, of course. I mean, that's, this is your, But I know the point you're making. My yeah. point is, yeah. is that when you have so much knowledge in your, it's hard to filter through and navigate through all that sometimes mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. to a point where, am I just flooding people with information now mm-hmm. it, to where it's like, this isn't even relevant. And they're not even understanding me, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm not talking at a level what they're going to understand. It's like going to, well, you know, we have the, the hope center, Uganda. So go check out hope center, a Uh, it's a children's home. Um, Doing good stuff there god is uh, really it's just cool it's humbling humbling to be a part yeah. of it but yeah. at the same time i also say i am guilty of sometimes not wanting to be a part of it mm-hmm. um i understand that where it's just like this is so much work and so much con- conversation and trying to fundraise and trying to manage a place that is halfway across the world and and different yeah. my point to this is though is that when you communicate over there You may have the same language, but things mean different, very different things. Mm -hmm. And so to try and communicate something like as you you would to someone who is an unbeliever or doesn't really know a whole lot about the Christian faith, religion, whatever, Mm -hmm. or Jesus, for that matter, sometimes it's hard to communicate with them Mm -hmm. so
2: that they would understand that. So So I I want to do something here, Steve, if you don't mind. I want to throw the question at you, Mm. because I think God has placed each of us to communicate to different people in different ways, you know, who we're going to resonate with. And you brought up something specific. And I don't know if it was part of the actual question that came in or your commentary on it, but, but like someone who doesn't necessarily believe this, an unbeliever or, or, or someone who's just kind of curious seeker, if I can use kind of like classic language, how would you answer the question to a, to a person like that, or maybe to who's texting this one in today? Um, so
1: let me, let me rephrase the question or not even rephrase it Um, me restate it I'm I'm looking for it right now Um, it's lost in the list where (laughs) is it oh why should I believe in Christ's resurrection yeah Um, you know I'm not going to tell you that you should believe in that Um, I believe that God is three in one we've talked about the Trinity before I believe that the Holy Spirit works in ways that I will never understand and if I did I think that makes God a small God Mm -hmm. and so therefore it's like um all I can tell you is look, I, I'm not I'm not presenting a case for Christ, you know, as as uh Lee Strobel did. Yeah. yeah. Um and if you haven't read that book, read it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um and it's called The Case for Christ. Right. Actually, yeah. Um but I would but I, I can you can't disagree with what he's done in my life. Okay. So what mm-hmm. I've seen and how God work works in my life, past, present, probably future, of course. Mm-hmm. Um you can't take that away from me, you know, and, and, and I'm not being argumentative with that. It's just f- come find out. And so that's where the invite comes from. It's like, I'm not trying to make you believe in anything, yeah. but I will tell you that this church that I go to is very impactful for me. And so therefore you want to come see what
2: happens. Mm-hmm. See if God gets a hold of your life and then you be the judge. And there is a point that I love about that where you. Knowledge is important. Facts are important. They steer what we do, but you fundamentally have to experience God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is going to build off. You can't just read general, about it. Yeah. You,
1: you can't just, yeah. you know, I mean, God's word, believe me, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's not just this surface thing that you read off the page. I mean, it, right. it really right. is a living document. Yeah. And so therefore just because you do read it, things are going to change you know and probably at first not for the better because i can tell you that as soon as like god became real to me my life was harder you know like Mm -hmm. now i have to now i'm accountable yeah 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 there's a call There's a standard there's a yeah and i don't like being accountable i like i don't like authority Mm -hmm. i i my parents will tell you like <laughs> Steve is the worst with authority. And, All right, Steve's mom and dad. We want some comments here on the Facebook yeah, page. Yeah. Give us,
0: <laughs> I've heard stories. But I have to
1: submit to like, okay, God, you know what? It's somehow I, I need to trust you. You're going to do things in my life that I'll never even understand or comprehend. And probably maybe not even ever, ever know, Yeah, you know, through conversations and whatnot. So, and
2: how about you, Andrew? I'd
1: love to throw a question at you
2: as well. Yeah, I think,
0: I think kind of what you were both saying where, Dave, you have a more intellectual knowledge about God and about theology and everything. Mm-hmm. Steve, you, you said a little bit more of emotion and experience, and I think it's a healthy balance of both of those. Yeah. Of If you have all of one and none of the other, it, it's not going to work well if it's all emotions, then all of a sudden when your emotions aren't lining up anymore, now you're like, well, I don't have anything to fall back on because right. that's it's based in my emotions. And if I'm not feeling it, then am I believing still? So you have to have that, that intellectual knowledge to kind of, I don't want to say fill in the gaps, but because they work in harmony with each other. Mm-hmm. Of, you one know, fuels once, the once other or twice a year, properly, yeah. I'm, you know, running tech at a worship service and all of a sudden I'm not running tech anymore. I'm worshiping. Or sometimes more times, sometimes less than that. But mm-hmm. it's those moments where I'm not in the weeds of everything. You're like, oh, now I'm feeling God. But okay, but all those other weeks where I'm not necessarily feeling God, it doesn't mean that it's not there. No. So that's where the, the intellectual knowledge and the faith and the understanding of the Bible and all those other things come into play.
1: Well, and which is why like mm-hmm. having a church is so stinking difficult, you know, to try mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the invite to me is one of the simplest things and, and getting them is, is one, of the, one of the simplest things in my life. But at the same time, we all work for the same church. Mm-hmm. You know, the challenge with, you know, we've been to the churches that are primarily running off of emotion. And they target that because they know it it creates something in you to where you want to, oh my gosh, but that only goes so far, Mm -hmm. you know, and it only lasts so long. But at the same time, on the opposite side of that, you have all these people or churches that are, this is what the Bible says, and I don't care if you believe it or not, that's what it says. Okay, well, that's a lot of, we're going to learn about it, we're going to study it, we're going to. But when are you ever living it? Where does it infuse? Wh- when I mean? are you even applying it? Where's the application mm-hmm. pieces of mm-hmm. this? You know, so I think you can go one too, too heavy on one side and too heavy on the other, and that's the yep. balance of okay, can we can we create or present or um, can we get emotional in our services? You know, and I think we do a good job of that where we bring people up and talk about how God has impacted them in their lives and the struggles that they've been through, because I think it's relatable. It does create some emotion, but at the same time, we don't just leave it there. Okay. Here's where the application is. Here's what God is saying about this. And that's where I think, Hmm, this is good stuff, you know? And so I, I would, I would challenge you if, if you're not in a church or, or you haven't been to church in a while, um, seek one, you know, seek it out and, and, Go try it out, see what God does in mm-hmm. your life. Find one that is is good and balanced and and go from there.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: great question. Yeah, great
2: question. All right. what
1: do we
0: got next? We had one come in through the texting line here. Uh, was it truly an apple that Adam and Eve ate?
2: If so, why
0: is it not a sin to eat apples today?
2: <laughs> no, no, there is nothing to suggest or indicate that it was an apple that Adam and Eve ate. If you're unfamiliar with the story, This is coming out of the first book of the Bible called Genesis. And it's the record of not only God's creative work of of starting and sustaining this world, but how humanity fell into sin. And in Genesis chapter three, you come across the story where a serpent deceives Adam and Eve by playing off their own desires to eat, and this is what it says specifically, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's typically depicted as an apple and both ancient and modern art. But the again, Sunday this school is, art. Yeah, yeah, well, not even just Sunday school, but I think mean, you'll <laughs> see it across the board. But there's nothing to indicate that it was an apple per se, if all I don't know it was a papaya or a mango or a banana or some fruit that's gone extinct. Who knows what it is. Um the point is not the fruit specifically. The point of the story is disobedience to God and rebellion against God and seeking one's own way over God's own way. And, and even more fundamentally, not trusting god when he doesn't give you all the reasons because in the story of genesis 3 he simply says don't eat of this fruit if you'll eat it you'll die and it's basically the knowledge the tree of the knowledge of good and evil doesn't tell him why other than you'll die you know it's bad news but why would i die what, what isn't going to happen here why can't i know good and the evil you know there's all these questions you want to know right and god just invites adam and eve to trust him And they don't. And while I I believe, of course, that the story is literally true, I I think there's also a proverb in that for each of us today of going, in what ways is God inviting us to trust him when he says, just do this or trust me on this? You don't have to know all the answers to it as much as we want to, but there's times God won't give that to you. Mm -hmm. And so it really has nothing to do with whether you eat an apple or not. Great question. Yeah, I appreciate you asking. I like thinking about the the knowledge of the tree and good and evil. (coughs) Or the
0: the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I thought I kind of thought about that last night because I I didn't have power because of the storm. (laughs) So I couldn't get on social media or YouTube or news or anything. I'm like, it's kind of nice. I just don't have any knowledge of it. It, it I don't know. It was nice. Some ignorance. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh I'm going to destroy your name and I apologize right away. Ramit. Romit. That's where I'm going. Uh, says, thank God, God doesn't exist, but it isn't true, but it isn't true. I am not a Christian, but a Sika from India, but believe Jesus isn't less than a God. And so all other descenders of other religions. There's a second part to
0: it. It seems like it's saying that, God is the same in across all religions. So God is one. He doesn't belong to a particular religion. It's the same name as Rama and Krishna and Shiva and kind of everyone.
2: you yeah. knock, one. You get them all. Yeah. 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 Ramit, um, you know, and forgive me if I'm uh, mispronouncing your name as well, but Ramit, I uh, again, really appreciate you asking yeah. as, as someone who's a Sikh um, that you're taking the time to listen to the show, mm-hmm. um, which is coming from a Christian perspective. I mean, just thank you, brother. And um, I so appreciate that you're you're engaging here and interacting yeah. with us here. Surely. And um, th- there's a few things that I'm trying to read from the Facebook feed um, here. And um, uh, a couple of points of maybe agreement and, and disagreement that I would have with some of the comments you made, I I would agree that God doesn't belong to a particular religion. Um, Religion are simply human expressions of seeking to understand who God is. God is far bigger than a religion, and certainly no religion captures the totality of the nature of God or or the depth and the wisdom of God. I even like how the the, the Christian scriptures put it in the New Testament where Paul will say, oh, the depth and the which riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and, and who can be his counselor and who can give guidance to the Lord. And it ends with this proclamation of standing in awe before the one that we see glimpses of. Of course, Paul is quoting the Old Testament in that as well. And so what I'm saying is not even uniquely Christian. However, um, where I think um, I, I would have some points of disagreement is that I, I don't think that if you have one religion's expression of God, you have them all, because I think that different religions state different things about who God is. And some of those are certainly complementary, and some of those are certainly in unity. And I think that's why you can see across various organized and and disorganized religions, um, Mm -hmm. commonalities of who God is. Mm -hmm. And yet, at the same time, there are very real and distinct differences about what we teach about God and who we say God is. And sometimes I think that those distinctions are irreconcilable. And so we're left with a choice of going, who's right? Which is correct? Why do I believe that this is true about God versus that being true about God? As a Christian, I believe that Jesus is the ultimate manifestation of who God is. As Paul will say in Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God. And that we get the clearest revelation and picture of who God is by seeing Jesus. Christianity is a, is a religion that seeks to base itself in who Jesus is. And from there to interpret all other things about God through that lens, including the Judaic religion in the Old Testament and in the way we even interpret Old Testament or, or Hebrew Bible or, or, or Judaic texts, if you will. Um, so again, thanks for interacting on that. I'd love to uh, maybe talk some particulars of what you're saying. But I do think it is um, dangerous ground because I, I think Jesus teaches a little bit differently. Jesus says there are certain things that aren't true about God, certain ways that we can approach God that aren't healthy, certain um, understandings about God that aren't correct. And of course, in the Christian religion and all others, we, we spend our lives well on shows like this and many other ways talking those out and wrestling those through and and, and trying to really discover the truth of it all. Yeah. You know, it'd be awesome. Ramit
1: is um, like, if, if I don't know about something, I'll try and seek to like understand it. And so, I mean, through the course of my 45 years, I mean, there's been a lot of, well, for instance, we had some good friends of mine. His name is Saeed. He just had a birthday yesterday. He lives over in Egypt Mm. and, uh, Uh, Muslim, and so we get into discussions about Islam, and and uh, I had another friend of mine, uh, Sid. I don't know if you remember Sid. Sid used to, he was, I've
0: met him a couple times. Sid met
1: a girl, you know, in London. She, he rescued her because, you know, she was lost in London. And so they ended up getting married. She's a Christian, you know, is
2: that like a metaphor, like lost in London? Or is like, she like wandering the streets. Like, I don't know where,
1: you know, you you could probably write a book about it. How do I get on
2: the tube? You know,
1: create a movie about it. It'd probably be like a notebook or something or sleepless in Seattle. That's kind of like a,
0: what is
1: it? Emily in Paris that came out.
0: Yeah. Lost in London, same thing.
2: different city, you got to say Emily in Paris because I think Paris. that's what they're trying to play with the uh, yes. the name there. Yeah.
1: yeah, my I guess where I'm Emily going, in Paris all where I'm <laughs> going with this <excrement laughs> Ramit is that, um, you know, even through like Sid, Sid, who was you know we he was believed in uh, Muslim, he was you know believed in Islam, and so he lived with us for two years, mm. you know, and so we got to have a lot of great conversations about God and religion and, and ultimately Jesus and whatnot. And, um, the cool thing about it was is that not only did he get to learn, but I got to learn where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. And so, but it also re- reinforced my beliefs as well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I never have a problem speaking with people who have these other religions that they believe in and are passionate about it. I, I mean, you would have to be right. Otherwise, why are you believing in it in the first place? And if you're not yeah. passionate about it, then, why are we even having this conversation? It's it's why I actually like disagreements about religion. totally, which is why I and many love, are phobic to it. Love and the many... fact that Ramit is yeah. is engaged here, and so I'm trying to look for a next step with this because I don't want to just leave Ramit hanging and just saying, "Well, here's our answer," and then that's it. So I would I would invite you, yeah, Ramit. We invite the dialogue to continue absolutely um, and, and, and come or visit our service on Sunday mornings and like after that, send us an email, send us some correspondence to say, Hey, here's what I didn't get or disagree with about your worship service or what was taught or, or preached in the the service and, and continue the conversation, Yeah, you know, because the reality of it is, is that for all of us, as we believe in, as we, as we're thinking about eternity, right? It's not just something that, Oh, well we believe in and that's what we say. This is eternal life. This is something so important to us that we're basing our, the rest of our eternity yeah. on this. Yeah. Penn and Teller really said it kind of not Christians, mm-hmm. but they, but they, they have a quote that uh, from one of their shows that, that was addressing Christians. And I really find it fascinating that it was from someone who is not a
2: Christian. Sometimes non-Christians have the best prophetic voice. Totally. It's Christians. Yeah. But what
1: they said was as a Christian, how much do you have to hate your neighbor in order to not tell them about Jesus or your God? Yeah. Well, and that's a huge gut check. Totally. Remember the first time I heard
0: heard that, I'm like, "Wow, it's not evangelism for
2: evangelism's
0: sake. No, it's if you love and care about anyone, you should be open to that conversation. You should be happy. I mean,
2: fundamentally, if you believe that you are separated from God because of your sin, and Jesus is the solution to that, and the only solution to that." And that's the source of life, hope, and eternity. How would you withhold that from anyone, right? Right. Right. And when you look at it that way, and yet for most of us, there's such a uh, fear of disagreement. There's a a fear of offending. And so we all try to kind of soften the edges. And and, and I'm not talking about polite discourse and conversation. That should always be the case. But but we try to, to soften... The truth of what we believe, because we want it to fit with someone else's worldview so they can accept us. And all the while we find some homogenized blob, Mm -hmm. uh, some amorphous idea that isn't pure or clean or good or true. And and there's nowhere to go with each other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, part of it, Ramit, is. Thank you,
2: Penn and Teller, for the challenge.
1: Yeah, really. Is that, uh, you know, we're called to. And we were talking about this the other day about how difficult is like one of the commandments is love your neighbor that's hard especially right now we look at the how polarized everything is from you know from religion to politics to being a conservative to a liberal whatever it is and it's like eh, that's all earthly stuff it's not eternal stuff that's not kingdom stuff that is this stuff it's it's earthly you know Mm -hmm. and that's only gonna last for so long so for god to call me to love my neighbor. That's exactly what it's like, Ramit. We I, we love you, buddy or girl. I, I don't even know what like what gender you are, and it really doesn't matter. But at the same time, what we what we do, what we are concerned about is eternity. And yeah. so, therefore, let's let's continue the conversation.
2: So yeah. So again, great questions. Yep. Keep them coming in eight one five three one four zero three six three. That's eight one five. 3140363. You can also catch us on 216 The Net um, on Facebook. You can catch us at Fellowship of Faith, Faith's Facebook page um, or visit our website, fellowshipoffaith.org, for more about the church that we're at. Um, what else do we got in the mailbag here? What else do we have coming in? Yeah, so um,
1: I think some of these we've covered, um, but let's go to what is uh is there is there a such thing and these kind of go together what is moral relativ relativism sorry mm-hmm. yeah and you said these go together i well, mean
2: with the previous question or with, another, no, one that with, you're with another one
1: that i'm looking at here like what is a christian worldview um is there a such thing as absolute truth
2: yeah yeah these all relate um what, what about moral relativism what is it Um, What is the Christian worldview? Is there absolute truth? I would say that moral relativism is probably the prevailing worldview of at least what I see uh, among many people in the United States today. I think even um, beyond in the States into the Western culture. And moral relativism is, well, let's break it down. We're talking about morality. We're talking about ideas of right and wrong. We're talking about what's good, what's evil, what's right to do, what's wrong to do. These, These are the basic moral questions what is the conduct of my life and how the world or how we should act and operate in the world particularly in relation to each other but certainly also in relation to creation and other things and even even ourselves Mm -hmm. even individually so that's what that's what morality is relativism is is the idea that that the the benchmark for something is always connected and related to something else And I'm going to break this down very intentionally, basically, because I think sometimes we just give knee-jerk definitions to this and, and walk past it. So if I say I'm tall, well, tall is a relative term. I'm tall related to what? I'm six foot three. I'm tall by typical human standards. Compared to me. But if I was in a forest, I would be short. I am not tall in relation to trees generally speaking, right? Right. Tall is a relative term. And so there are some people, and I would say many people, who believe that morality operates the same way, that there isn't an objective standard, Mm. meaning there isn't a cosmic standard of this is good, this is evil, this is right, this is wrong. And how we gauge what's right and wrong is always relative to the ideas of the day, to how other people act and operate, to uh, other social standards or mores as they might exist, and so it can shift, and and it can even be true to um, or, or related to just what you feel. You know, sometimes it gets very personalized. Uh, people will talk about this is my right, this is my wrong, this is right for me or good for me, as though what's true in relation to me determines what's good or evil or how I should act. Christianity. Um, by and far, has a very different way of looking at right and wrong and morality. Um, fundamentally, Jesus taught that God sets the standards of what's right and wrong and good and evil, and it's our job to to live by those standards, which are out, outside of any time, culture, particular locale or space, and that that's binding on people of all space and time. That isn't to say that there isn't a field called ethics, which means that there there are nuances to right and wrong in every time, culture, and space. I mean, we do have a certain spectrum on many issues here, but fundamentally there are things that are that are cosmically true and, and, and set as standards that God has put in place into the fiber of the universe mm-hmm. and the fabric of reality, and that the best way to live in any time, culture, and space is in accord with that, and not just what's popular or expedient or or winsome in any kind of particular locale. So, so that's what moral relativism is all about and how Christianity sees it different. And and the implication that has for absolute truth is that there is absolute truth. And I think we may have even commented on this in a previous show. Mm -hmm. There is absolute truth, but no one knows it. Absolutely.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, That doesn't mean absolute truth can't be known in part or at all. I think that's an equal and opposite error. Uh, Jesus is here to reveal truth He says, I am the way and the truth, and of course, also the life, and so that we can see what's true in him. Christianity is a a revelation-based religion, which means we believe that left to our own devices, we will only see very dimly what absolute truth is, but God breaks into our confusion and our morass and and our... hardness of heart and a rationalization to show us more of, of, of the truth of who he is and what's good and right in this world, not in totality, mm-hmm. but in greater degree. And, and so what we do is we seek to live by that. That's why we're so just bent on Jesus and, 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 and on the, the Bible as, as a source of the stories and accounts and, and prophetic utterances and, and, and just messages of God. Of what's right and true in this world we need it because you know i'll be i'll be honest and this is an experiential one for me i know it's the right answer from a christian perspective but experientially i just know if i was left to my own devices without the revelation of god wow would i be like a million miles off base yeah yeah and uh, the things that i would do and the things that i would be wrapped up in and the things that i would be both cheering on on one level and condemning on another level would just be off center Mm -hmm. in, in some horrible ways completely no no some of us is is kind of naturally known i think hardwired in but in many ways ooh, i'd be a mess
1: yeah how far does your mind allow it to go you yeah. know and, and in all sorts of different directions which then kind of leads me to think well this is probably you know if you don't actually know god um, you're probably going to try and create one or think that you are well of course this is probably what god would want me to do because this would be again right and wrong good and evil so therefore If you have no basis to go off of or no direction, of course you're going to create something.
2: And we'll ultimately make our own standards. And and, and worse, we'll we'll often warp our standards Mm -hmm. when a pressure point comes, when a point of expediency comes. And I'm not talking about adaptability. Some people are just way too rigid and black and white um, in in all things. And and not even God is black and white or his revelation in all things. But it is so easy to rationalize what we want mm-hmm. in the moment, even against our own made-up yeah, standards, isn't it? I, I mean, agree. Just... Yep. yep. Well, and how do we do
0: with then the uh, change, like, so we have more relativism, but then how, do, how does that impact our our lives within a cultural that is constantly shifting and seeming, seemingly moving further and further away from the truth of the Bible and the truth that, that God has revealed, you know, I would say at least in the United States, Christianity is probably becoming a minority within the the society. And within, I would say at least like in
2: terms of the Christian worldview, regardless of mm-hmm. what people put on a census yeah. report of what their uh, preferred religion might be, but in terms of worldview and practice. Yeah. Yeah. So then it's like, how does that, how do you continue
0: continue to hold stead, hold steadfast to that when society
2: and everything else is pushing far beyond that. I I want to go back to an an earlier conversation we were having about, and and you brought the synthesis together. Well, Andrew, between knowledge and experience. Hmm. And and I'm going to quote a line from Philippians chapter one and Paul is right. He, he, Paul's in prison. It's time of extreme pressure. He knows he might, he's certainly suffering and he knows that he might be tortured and killed for his profession of faith and loyalty to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so here's a man who's in a place who has every motivation, right? Yeah, to kind absolutely. of change his standard, if you will. And he's writing to this, this church in a in a city called Philippi. And, and it's basically a giant thank you letter <laughs> for the encouragement mm. and support that they're bringing him. But, but I love this line. And he brings it early on and it kind of tones the whole letter. He says, my prayer is this. That your love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you are able to discern what is best and be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. He's like, I I want your love to to increase, I want it to abound, but I want it to abound in, in knowledge and depth of insight. I want it to abound not just an experience. No, no, no. I, I want you to be hungry and thirsty for the revelation and knowledge of God and not as an end in itself, but that by doing that, you will be able to discern what is best because the knowledge of God is not about winning trivia tests mm. or, 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 or showing off or just feeling good about what you know about God. It's always meant to lead you. To be able to discern more because arguably from Paul's perspective, if you know more of God's revelation, you're able to better navigate the gray zones of life and with wisdom, figure out what actually pleased God so that you can stand before him. And and I believe this we will all stand before God on judgment day as, as we call it in Christianity and give account for the quality of our life, which goes well beyond the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots to all the gray zones. And we're going to sit there and go, well, I didn't know. And that's just really never an excuse that holds right. water with God. Yeah. He's like, you could have, and you should have. Yeah. Let your love for God abound in knowledge and depth of and knowledge and depth of insights so that you may be discern what's best and be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Yeah. It matters knowing and, and discer- discerning and discovering the character and knowledge of God. It matters because it has huge in- impact on how you live and, and navigate the deep gray. <laughs> right. That, that 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 the daily the thousand daily choices life throws at us. And, and how that we is think. every day. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Not even just what we do and don't do, but how we think about God, the attitudes we adopt towards others, the choices we ch- choose to make in our heart of how we'll emotionally respond, even just as we think about others, and that starts, you know, snowballing it. You ever do that? Oh, all the Where, time. Yeah. Yeah. But you're getting pissed at someone. Mm-hmm over a conversation you never actually had with them because <laughs> you're imagining by the character of what you've perceived, which might be a million miles off base because of what you picked off from an earlier, right? right and you're that like, was totally, what am I doing? Last night, that was yeah, me. That was Barbie okay. and I having
1: the same conversation. Towards I, each other, nope, actually? Nope. Or, or towards someone and, else? And, and I know, can't we go into details. But, yeah, yeah. But totally. And it's just like, this is not fun. And we right. don't even know how off track we are.
3: You know, right. so it's all the
1: hypotheticals right. and... And well I wonder about this and I won and all of a it's sudden like, it's it like you said, it snowballs into this And now
2: my blood pressure is rising, you're mad, and and you're hating this person. And and the next time you see them, they're there none the wiser. They don't even know what's going on. It's like 30 maybes and therefore. Except for... If this happened, and if this... Oh, in your mind, it's true. Well, in
1: my mind, I mean, this person totally knows what they're doing, and they have a plan, and they're... (laughs) Pretty meditating. Oh, my gosh. It's such a horrible place to be. It is a horrible... But I think some of that has to do with past history, too. So... Yeah. and that's. I think that's yeah. another episode that we'll get into um, at one point because I know we've talked about. We circled it. around this. We one. have. We're we're so
3: toying with it, flirting <laughs> yeah. with it that it's like. Yeah, all we right. Just things, we just need this. to do it. And but that's that's, the, that's every social media interaction, though. Too. Uh, oh, I agree. Totally agree with that. I, you I, said I, what? No I idea. I was just you know. right. Well,
1: and you're like, and you're you think you're reading into layer. the intentions yeah. of things, even though. You don't know yeah. why they said or why they liked it, for instance, it could be right. a, a number of reasons,
2: you right. know. So one of the best bits of practical advice I've ever gotten in this this arena, and it's proved to be true for me so often, is that if you're ever reading something, an email, social media, whatever it might be, or getting caught into like the mind loop, right, Steve? Yep. Do not email the person, do not text the person, do not social media post the person. Mm-hmm pick up the phone as soon as is expedient and call the person or even better face to face and just go hey, you know, I might be totally misreading this and be a million miles off base, but are we okay here? Or have I done something to offend you? Or am I reading this the right way? And nine times out of ten it cuts right through all of the worst case scenario conjecture that we put on. And and quite honestly in that other ten percent nine times out of ten in that ten percent it still leads to healthy conversation and maybe even reconciliation, even if you see things differently or sure. maybe you overstated it. It, it, sure. it gives room to humanize each other, mm-hmm. uh, to apologize for where we may have been a little brash in a conversation or or insensitive in something that we've said or unaware yeah. of how it hit a nerve.
0: Yep. Well, that leaves room for grace and that
2: uh, loving your neighbor, like we Absolutely. talked about.
1: <laughs> Which is, again, seems so easy. So and,
2: hard, and yeah. I'm circling the wagon on this, and this is sadly what I don't see really ever happens in the Christian church, in the American Christian church today. You get offended, you silently disappear.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, yeah. if you're established there, multi generational, you, you throw a fit and you stomp your feet because it's your church. But if not, you just disappear, and no one's the wiser, and you ghost people who try to reach out, and and, and don't do that. God's called to a higher standard. Um, you always need to reach out. And you can't run. Right. You can run from the person, but you can't run from the issue that's stirring. Yeah. Um, always reach out. God calls people to unity, yeah. to reconciliation, to forgiveness. And, and that's hard, messy work, but it's good. Yeah.
1: All right. So uh, real quick, 21 Sixth the Nets. Um, thank you once again for having us. Uh, we're, we're not done. But just wanted to give you a shout out. Yeah, Um, the number to to text in obviously is Dave. You've got this number, member. It's eight one five yeah
2: three one four zero three six three. Again, eight one five three one four zero three six three. Any question you have. Um, that you're embarrassed to ask, don't know who to ask, feel like you'll be judged. This is a judgment-free zone. We love to entertain everything from the serious and complex to the frivolous and funny um, on God, life, theology, the Bible, Christianity, yeah. yep. religion.
1: And fellowshipoffaith.org. Uh, go to it. You can check out a bunch of stuff there, too. Um, you can check us out uh, on Sunday mornings, 10, 10 a.m. Uh, by the way, I had, I had someone that kind of, uh, I don't want to say upset pointed something out to me on Sunday hmm. that our, the stickers are vinyl on our front door is incorrect.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And with uh,
1: oh, the, Oh, the times. Yes.
0: Yeah. The times. So we did, we time. For but,
2: those of you connected to fellowship of faith, we do know. And, 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 wheels are in motion to have this fixed, hopefully by the end of the month, uh, you know, work. it still says nine and 1030 on our door and kind of honestly, even though we shifted through COVID, we didn't want to scrape it all off, not knowing what the right. future would hold. Right. But it, but it really is confusing if you're coming it, yeah. for the first time. And right. our apologies if we've and the minute we change it, maybe you know, early or late. <laughs> you know we're going to change it. Yeah. Absolutely. But <laughs> but then I go, why are we not investing two hundred dollars just to kind of make life easy and right. clear for people? But fail safe.
1: <laughs> just go to the website, check out yeah. because we will have uh, at all times the yeah. updated. Well, Andrew's in charge of the website, so there. if we don't. Uh, Most of the you, time, it's up to give, give, give you Andrew's personal line. You can have a conversation with him. Text, right. me time. Text me anytime. Text me anytime. I love it. So, Peter, uh, I think th- if can we scroll down just a little yep, bit because yep. he had a con- he, uh, the one thing they the one thing I've seen successful churches have in common is a uniquely strong focus on community development. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that because you know what we were talking about, Peter, was probably all things in house. But what we haven't talked about really is anything that's outside of our church walls. And I know one uh, one way that I, I kind of visualize this is, you know, we because we've been talking about doing some campus improvements and things about, you know, with our building or our grounds. We're blessed to to be on twenty two acres. I mean, it's just it's just an open canvas of like, what should we do with this with, this, with space? this space? Yeah, and how could we bless the community or invite the community to be to come in and be a part of it? And so the challenge there is, is like, well, th- then are you just becoming a country club church? You know, well, you could look at it that way. But at the same time, I think s- the same way that some people wouldn't just jump into a Bible study because they think, oh, my gosh, you know what? I, I don't know anything about the Bible. I, I'm, I'm not comfortable just joining in that. The On the opposite side of that is how easy is it for us to invite someone to come play, say, in volleyball? And wow, these guys really aren't that odd. You know, I mean, the, all the things. Oh, you're that, doing
2: an Elvis concert. We're doing You've got an Elvis an impersonator yep. coming in. Yep. Travis, uh, what, what's his name? Travis right? Morris. Travis Morris, yep. who's an Elvis impersonator. He's come out to Fellowship of Faith Faith. It's Friday, 20th. August 20th. Yep. And, uh, you, you know, the amount of people that it, it, it's just a safe, fun way to get to know other yeah. people. Yeah. But 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 to the point, there is a great question that I think every church has to ask. And and then I'll put it kind of as a challenge, which is if our church was to disappear, would it impact our community In any way whatsoever Mm -hmm.
1: would anybody know
2: yeah yeah and if the answer to that is no well well that's where you do some self-examination and you find a call to repentance and you go what does it mean but i don't even like the word community i like the word communities Mm, because at least in our neck of the wood and certainly in a digital age i find that um the idea of the community church is going the way of the albatross um churches are often more commuter churches now people driving by 50 closer churches to come to one that they like more, or connect with more. And certainly live, listening digitally from living rooms or smaller communities, locally, globally, yep. nationally. Yep. And so what does it mean for each of us to go, we're a part of the church and how do we bless our communities? How do I, as a believer in Christ and me with my family, bless the locale where I live and not put the responsibility, solely mm. on the organization right to do it yep. it's a partnership yep. it's not an either or here but but how does the organization get behind the grassroots movements of what you're trying to do well we're in mchenry as terms of our campus but maybe you're listening from well egypt mm-hmm. we i know we have people that listen from egypt to our worship service weekly or uh let, let's go closer nebraska mm-hmm. or let's go closer southern wisconsin or let's go closer lake villa right a lot of people who live in Lake Villa are probably not going to drive to McHenry. Right. But if you're in Lake Villa, how do you bless Lake Villa Mm -hmm. and bring the love of Christ and, 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 and and the hope of Christ to there? And how do we strategize that? And, and, and and I mean that not as a rhetorical question, but actually as a, a sincere one that we'd love to entertain with whoever you might be listening around the globe.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something you hear a lot is like, Oh, well, if the church doesn't like this, then they're like, they're the ones that are supposed to be doing something about this, like fixing poverty or, you know, people starving or whatever it's like oh well that's that's the church's job and, and you, like, are church. you are the church you are the church yeah if you exactly. are in christ church you are in the building church. Church. right yeah. it's it's not about oh the the catholic church needs to do this or this other one it's and it's not even the the organization or the building it's all the people in it yeah and if if that is on your heart that you think that way then maybe look at how you're involved and what are you doing then to, mm-hmm. to be a part of that? And
2: what passions and gifts and burdens mm-hmm. has God laid on your heart that your local church, wherever it might be, uh, might not be equipped to do or prepared to do or, or even know how to do that you can help lead the way on?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Have that
2: conversation with, uh, with your friends, your family, your yeah. church leaders, the community. Yeah. Great stuff. You want to get off topic a little bit? Well, I don't know if we're even ever even on topic <laughs> yeah, we're, here, but uh, <laughs>
1: we're never on topic.
3: But, um, the topics are wide. Well, should we go back to Peter's got into some some other stuff? So, here. wait, be, uh, don't jump off the church. Yet, okay, right? Okay. So Kent's got uh, something. It's easy too for Christians to say, "You are the church," okay. right? But really, too many people, I think, see the church as a building. Mm-hmm. And, and a group of, of people or an individual, right, where really it stems from who knows, right, out out there, uh, you know, and, and really what it means is of the Lord. So the word church just means of the Lord. So as, you're, as we talk about it, you know, there's the old song, I am the church, you are the church, right? It is, it's too easy to be part of something rather than of the Lord, I think. If that makes sense, so if you're living your life for God, in to God, then you can say, "Well, I, I belong to a church. I, I, my dad, a pastor, you know. So I, I grew up a PK. My brother's a pastor. I'm a deacon. And when I think of the church, I never think of a building, hmm. right? I see the world mm-hmm. because that's what that's the way Jesus mm-hmm. wants you to see it, and what y'all are doing. Uh, you know, you say country club, but I mean Christ." was that walked around had thousands of people around him at times you know uh and that's so if it's of the lord you think you're going to church you go to church every day yeah, yeah. i would just simply qualify it
2: though in our hyper individualistic culture to say that's true if it's in community with other believers in christ because there isn't a solitary church it's always fellowship and community with others Mm-hmm. And in fact, in the New Testament, I think the more important word that, destroy, uh, that destroys, that 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 de- describes the church is not what gets translated church, which is ecclesia in Greek, um, but koinonia, mm-hmm. which often gets translated community or fellowship. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly called to this fellowship or this community um, to be doing it with others. And, and often where it talks about where, well, Jesus, where two or three are gathered there, I will be not where you're at by yourself. You know, Jesus promises that he's going to be with you by yourself in that passage, which is fascinating because it's mm-hmm. so contrary to how everyone thinks. Right? It's it's an expression in community. Mm-hmm. Um, when he talks about the church being the temple of the Lord, he uses plurals. You know, it's not to say that you're not a resident of the Holy Spirit in your heart and that there is an extension there. But, uh, but anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm watching the clock here. No, we got about eight minutes. We're,
1: we're coming down to it.
2: Yeah. Um, what do we got?
1: A couple more questions. Peter says I've seen people ghost seen people ghost congregations because of these of those foot stompers who refuse to entertain open discussion and valid questions. Great point you made there. Oh, thanks, Pete. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um
0: Go I've got a yeah. I've got a question here. It says, uh, "Where do you stand with once saved, always saved?"
2: Uh, yeah. yeah. Where do you stand with once saved, always saved? Once saved, always saved is a, a Calvinist or Reformed doctrine. Um, it, it's it's the belief that comes that once you are saved which is the christian terminology i'm trying to break this down and not use christianese right no and this is good because that,
1: that, w- another question is what is calvinism so maybe you want to wrap both of these into this if you can yeah. and if you can that's okay no no, we, no i can no and time. we
2: can certainly push this to a greater greater uh, discussion mm-hmm. but but christianity is predicated on the idea that we need to be saved now we all know what it means to be saved you know if you save a document on your computer it means you don't want it to be lost into the bits and bytes of your system. You want it to be retrievable, recoverable, and not forgotten or dismissed. If a lifeguard saves someone from drowning, it means they're rescuing them from death and bringing them to life. If you save money, you're putting it aside, right? To to be preserved for something later. We, We talk about saved so often in the Christian community that sometimes I think we don't Describe what we're being saved from. And the fundamental idea behind um, Jesus teaching in the Christian faith is that we need to be saved from destruction, from death, from separation from God, from judgment from God, from hell, from possession of the devil and the evil forces of this world, that that we are what we would use the term lost or consigned to destruction or whatever it might be, but that what God does in his love for us is seeks to rescue us or save us from that to life with him, communion with him, eternity with him, to joy and peace and, and the ever going thing, right? And within Christianity, there is a sub-belief or a belief system that some hold, uh, very much inspired by John Kelvin, who was a 16th century Protestant reformer, um, who, who taught something called the perseverance of the saints, which means if you come to faith, you will remain in faith or at least come back to faith at your life's end, even if it appears that you fall away in an intervening Mm. thing. So once you're saved, you are guaranteed that you will be saved for eternity. And it's a bit two-edged because at one hand, it brings a lot of hope. It it seems to indicate, oh, good, I'm saved. So I don't have to worry about losing this. I don't have to worry about falling away. I don't have to worry about being snatched or taken from me. But the same hope that it brings in that capacity can also bring uncertainty and fear because it's inevitable in any Christian community or maybe friends or, or, or relatives that you see people who seem to be saved once, but no longer are living in faith, claiming to believe that, that what they hold to um, is Christian, that that will even renounce God or say, I no longer think of myself as Christian. And so it can bring a lot of anxiety because it goes, well, were they ever saved to begin with? You see where I'm going on this? yeah. And, and so any believer can't at some point take full certainty and hope that because they're saved now, they will be saved. Because what if I'm living a false faith? What if my faith isn't isn't sincere? What if I'm not truly in the faith and I'm leaving, living and in, in believing a, a sham idea of faith that isn't actually true? And we can go down that rabbit hole, but, but, but this is the issue. And, and this is the belief system of what once saved, always saved is about. I, I fully understand the complexities of various um, biblical passages and, and theological streams that, 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 that the perseverance of the saints or one saved, always saved is interacting with and, and, and truly respect believers who come down on that side of the fence and, and, and see their perspective on it. And I think there's something to be assured and learn from mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. But I do ultimately come down on another side of the fence Which is that I believe that someone can have true saving faith and then reject it, renounce it, or fall away, if I can put it in other ways, from faith. And I know the landmines and difficulties of that line of thinking as well. And I'm certainly happy to to, to discuss some of the specific passages or, or theological implications maybe at a later time. But um, that's where I believe. I don't believe it's a doctrine that we need to divide over, but I think that those of us who believe different things should challenge and that our love should abound more and more in seeking knowledge and depth of insight on this because it does have huge implications for how we think about our faith right now, how we live and how we conduct ourselves.
1: But don't you find it also interesting that for someone who is rejecting God, which means they're acknowledging God. (laughs) So if they're rejecting God, I mean there is acknowledgement then correct correct so, yes so how how are they even making the point of it that well i just don't believe in god or
2: i'm re- because do, it's you- not about believing that god is true even the demons believe in god and shudder it is not about saying that i believe in the concept of god or that this idea of god is true faith is better equated to allegiance in a Christian understanding than it is to mental ascent towards an idea. When the Bible calls us to faith, what it's calling us to is loyalty and allegiance to Christ, not just conceptual agreement that he exists. Mm. And that I think is the difference in people that get caught up in that line of thought there, mm-hmm. Steve. Sure. And, and it's an easy one to fall into because yeah. we talk about faith. Do you believe in God? Right. We make faith and belief as equal. And of course we make belief you know, do I think it's true? Do I not
1: think it's true? Yeah, and then yeah. then I think you guys and I know we're running out. How much? How much time, Kent? About a minute, one minute. So, and we can get into this maybe next week as works. Yeah, because I think a lot of people then you know they they tend to possibly get lukewarm, mm-hmm. and then they hear a sermon or a message and it scares them a little bit to say, "Oh crap, am I saved? How do I even know I'm saved?" Yeah. And then you see them out doing everything, and it's like, ah, yeah. I think you said a couple of things loose. like a fake faith or believing in a false faith. And you're
0: like, Oh crap.
2: (laughs) Do I have the right one? Like, Oh no. So right. Right. And how important it is there for it to test it, to be sure of it, to grow in knowledge and depth of insight. Let's pick this up in the next show. Let's do it. Let's maybe do a show that we at least start on the idea of Christian salvation and what faith is and how that relates to works. And how do I know if I'm saved guys? We want to thank you for listening today. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate the questions that you're asking. Again, you can text those questions to 815-314-0363. That's 815-314-0363. You can post them to Facebook on um, the Fellowship of Faith page or to 216 the Net. If we didn't get to your questions today, they're in the mailbag. We will get to them soon. Yeah. But next week, we're going to get into this conversation fully. Steve, good to have you yeah. back, man. Yeah, good to be yeah. back. Good yeah. to be back. Andrew, yeah. killer job. You know, with the hosting last week, and uh, we'll we'll see who battles for the chair next, yeah, Andrew, next time Andrew really and wants to <laughs> I like that seat better, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Big thanks to uh, Kent Jones, yeah, who's thanks, uh, Ken. producing for us today. And uh, any other closing comments we need to make? No.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, good times.
2: See, see you, you next, next week. All right. See yeah. you next week, and God bless. Yeah. All
3: right.